Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Kristen Nan. Kristen is currently a third grade teacher from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. She's also a blogger, presenter, and award-winning educator for innovative practices. Kristen describes herself as a believer in goodness, an idea generator, risk taker, and disruptor in education. You can follow Kristen on Twitter at NanKR1120 and on her blog at KristenNan.com. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? Absolutely. Always ready to talk education. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, Kristen. Now, we were were just laughing off air about the fact that you just wrapped up your school year. So congratulations on that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that school context that you serve at? Absolutely. So you had mentioned from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, We are a suburb of Pittsburgh in uh, the city of Aliquippa. My school is actually called Hopewell Elementary in the Hopewell Township. We, uh, we're a pretty tight-knit suburban community. Uh, it's a bit of a melting pot of Europe, uh, built on a very strong work ethic, uh, steel mill, industrial revolution, way of life mentality. Uh, I've been in the classroom for the last 22 years. I first entered as a learning support teacher, and then I went into third grade just about 20 years ago, and that's where that's what I'm doing right now. Kristen, I like to start with story time, so please share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you faced somewhere in your teaching or education career and describe how you overcame it. Okay, so, uh, you know, I definitely have had some low points. There's no doubt about that. Uh, in place of something very specific, I think something that probably weighs me down than the specific ones is more of like the cumulative effect of like little moments that that get on me because they seem to to push me just a little further. Um, I think probably, I I don't know in ways, maybe I bring it on myself being such a risk taker that I am. And when you are working with uh, people that may not be as much of a risk taker, that can be very overwhelming for other people. Um, I joke quite often and say it's kind of like a tsunami of ideas at all times. I'm just this <laughs> idea generator and I'm like, let's do it. Let's try this. Let's do this. And, you know, you can see like they look like deer in headlights. And so um, I, I feel like what's the worst that could happen? And I think for many people that are a little bit more um, on the other end of the spectrum than me, kind of look at me like, let me give you the list. I can tell you this is going to like fall on its face. You know, there's destruction that can come from every one of those crazy ideas. Uh, So I feel like that mix inside me of being so risk-taking, it also almost alludes to like a confidence. I don't know that I would walk around saying, hey, I'm so confident. But I think when you're a risk taker, it presents itself that way uh, because you're willing. And so I think that that kind of gives me this major shove. Um, It it rattles me when I don't always have everybody on board 
or people may downplay that idea or just the fear of the unknown. So you might get, when you're trying to push people out of their comfort zone, um, that tends to give me the pushback that feels more like the weight of the, you know, the world. So how, how I combat that is by really just finding my people. Um, I, I have people within my own district, you know, we're kind of um, like little pockets of innovation throughout the district um, in different buildings. I lean in towards them when I can. Um, and I, I've come to realize that it's not just about my district. You know, I pretty much have blown the walls off of learning for my classroom, um, for, for myself by being connected as an educator, uh, you know, globally. So whether that's on Boxer or that's on Twitter, I mean, it's beyond social media. It might even be just Google Hangouts with others. And, you know, I went and bought a webcam for my classroom so I could constantly be in connection with others that are beyond where I'm at. So I think that that support system as a whole has definitely picked me up in some of my very low moments. That's fantastic. And, you know, I, I feel that tension within myself. I do like to try new things, but I wonder if I would be overwhelmed if I had a teaching partner like you, Kristen, <laughs> with, with that tsunami of ideas coming constantly at me because that other part of me embraces the comfort of, okay, I've got this unit figured out. It worked well. I'm going to repeat it next year. And there's something within us that sort of reaches for that convenience. But I think we need those tsunami of idea people like you in education. That's so important. I, I think back to a quote from Adam Welcome a few weeks ago where he said, growth doesn't happen in the comfort zone, right? We need to not only teach that, but model that for our learners. I think that's so important. Oh, there's so much truth to that. You know, I like the comfort zone too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, <laughs> when something goes really well, it's so exciting and you just reflect back on it and you're like, oh, I am so going after that next year too. But the fact of the matter is if, if everything that went well this year was planned for next year, I would be missing the whole point of teaching because mm -hmm. I have 25, 28 new little people coming my way. And what I did this year may not be reflective of the voice they have. And I don't know them yet. So until I build that relationship with them, my plans can't even formulate. So let's keep going with this theme, Kristen. On your blog, you prominently display a header that reads, call me stubborn, but I refuse to quit. True grit is the foundation for success in learning and life exploring the dynamics of a successful classroom and how grit is a vital characteristic of student achievement. So talk about why this learning competency, grit, is such a passion and maybe share some ideas about how we as educators can build grit into our classroom cultures. Oh, of course. I mean, grit, I think grit just comes to my mind from day one because it's what I needed to have as a child. Um, my, my upbringing was, um, it, it was very colorful in a lot of ways and not always the brightest of colors. So I, I had to always dig deep, so to speak. So I feel like grit is part of my character. And I feel like in the big picture, that really defines one's character um, as a whole, because it, it's that courageousness that comes out in each individual. Um, it's about seeing beyond that moment, uh, the bravery to go after it, even when you absolutely think failure could be inevitable. Uh, so for my students, they know GRID as an acronym. They know it as goal setting, responsibility, imagining excellence uh, over perfection. 
um, and a tough mindset to back all of that up. And this, I feel like it's a mix of heart, soul, and mind. Um, when you, when I look at grit as a whole picture, um, goals are what make us tick. We all need goals. It, whether they're small and seemingly unimportant at the moment. They're they're actually very huge in the end. So they're they are what propel us forward. They drive us. So whether it's a, a goal, whether it's you're working independently or you're working with a group, or maybe it could be for a kindergartner tying their shoe versus a third grader being able to run a race. Um it it doesn't have to be just an education. You know, this is as a whole picture. So it's that dangling carrot. That goal is that dangling carrot to life. So um, along with that is the responsibility. And that's super exciting. And I think that we tend to look at responsibility as um, as a weight, uh, sometimes a burden. And really, like, it's one of the most empowering feelings ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know when I, when I realized when I was a kid that I actually was responsible for my actions, it it redefined who I was and what I was able to then portray to others. Um it's one of those things where an eight-year-old can take and stop blaming their parent um, and because that happens. Oh, my mm. parent did this or my parent this. My, because it's a natural instinct to, you know, deflect um, any type of responsibility. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, that's my choice. And, you know, throwing out this sense of perfection, I it's just, you know, parents, we're at a point right now where parents are just either super, super excited about everything their child could do. Um, and, you know, they, there's just this like, you know, we've gone from helicoptering. People have said we've gone to lawnmowering. And it just <laughs> yeah. cracked me up to hear those terms because, you know, there's just a whole lot of love behind those parents. And we have to really appreciate where they're coming from. In the same sense, there's this perfection that kind of like gets over kids where they think they have to always reach for this, you know, don't miss anything. This has to come out just this way. And when they start realizing that they can strive for excellence and excellence can be their perfection, they can throw that out there as their, that highest ring. Um, and, and they can be proud of themselves that they've taken the whole journey to get there. So that that's huge. And, you know, very personal. I, my 16 year old son, Trent, he, he is um, clinical OCD. So when you are raising a child with obsessive compulsive disorder, you are always honing in on how do we how do we bring excellence versus perfection because perfection truly does not exist for us uh, on this earth. So uh, the T goes without any saying. I mean, I think that our children just need to know how to get dirty. They need to dust themselves off. They need to be able to. Um, have that tough mindset where they can take the responsibility and the empowerment and make them work together. So I think that that kind of like just brings it all together in the end. Uh, They need to understand that they themselves can create that next step for themselves. Even if they're eight years old, seven, I get seven-year-olds. The biggest way to build that grit is to love your people. So it's like, it's not like, oh, I just want this for my kids in my classroom. If you really want to build it in your classroom, you need to love on them. Because if they don't feel safe and secure, if they don't feel like they can be vulnerable enough to venture into this world of grit, they're not going to step forward into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say like, if you're going to go that next step and you really want to make it happen, uh, you have to then step aside and allow them to take the lead. They don't know how to get dirty if they're always coming in clean. So, you know, you have to let them take that, you know, 
take the helm and um, let them take those all those elements and go on that journey for themselves, either independently or together in a collaborative group, allow for that discomfort, allow for no rescues. Like they need lifelines beyond us. And so that no rescue moment of when you see them struggling and you want to jump in, I'm not saying don't guide them. I'm not saying that you can't lend them like a little question, knowing the, which kind of questions to lend them, you know, that's, that's big. Um, and let's just let them figure it out. Let them belabor the own moment for themselves. And um, I think from there, they become life learners and they realize they have these lifelines and they don't necessarily need you. They're going to want you in their world, but now they have the grit to be able to move forward with their year with you. Wow. Round of applause, Kristen. That was beautifully (laughs) articulated. There's so many things we can say there. But yes, yes to everything you said. And and if we can help students to see failures as just part of that learning journey instead of something that defines them, we have given them a gift for life, right? If they can start to see themselves as moving through those experiences of adversity towards something greater and not being stymied or, again, labeling themselves and, and sort of saying, oh, I can't do math, I can't do art or whatever it might be. Right. I, I want to go back to that acronym that you shared. Is that an Angela Duckworth? And and I have not read her book. Shame on me. But is that an Angela Duckworth acronym or is that a Kristen Nan acronym? Well, you know, I guess it comes from all directions. It's kind of crazy, but I've been using True Grit in my classroom for 22 years. Now, 22 okay. years ago, um, you know, mind you, this, you know, I wasn't on social media, didn't even exist in my life, you know, and I left college, I didn't even have an email for Pete's sake. So um, <laughs> I'm really aging myself. But in the time frame of my life, and what I've brought into my classroom has really been reflective of the, my own upbringing and what I needed from my teachers. And along the way, um, I did, as I mentioned, you know, I'm in a pretty traditional uh, area where we really were forbidden to be on social media until about four or five years ago when my new administration came in. Since then, I have connected with a lot of people that are very much on the same page, um, as you've mentioned. And so it's it's quite beautiful to think, hey, you know what? I've had something to this. There's been something to what I've been doing all, you know, for so long. Right. It wasn't just, I wasn't just making this stuff up, right? So um, I, there's the validity to it when you start realizing that you're connecting with people that um, truly believe in the same things that you are believing in too. Awesome. So Kristen, as you look across your PLN and your own practice, what is energizing you about education today? Or as you look back on another school year in the books, what are you celebrating? Oh my goodness. This is like so huge for me because I, that is me, energy. Like (laughs) the excitement of learning something new gets just, it just, ah, it comes from inside all the time. And, And I, you know, yesterday might have been my last day, but today I was already already like, oh my gosh, I have this idea. Like I need to go <laughs> see what this is all about. So, and it, it really isn't any one thing. I just love that new apps are always being created. It, I just mentioned, you know, when I first started teaching, there, there were no new apps. We didn't even have computers in the classroom. 
So imagine that if I were still teaching the way I came into education, like, whoa, what would, I don't even know what would be exciting. But in the meantime, um, you know, right now I have six iPads to share amongst all my students. It's the most exciting connection you could possibly have. The collaboration that can take place over a new app and new apps are coming out every single day. So the minute I think, hey, I got this, you know, bam, there's another one. It's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to use Book Creator. And then somebody says, hey, have you ever tried this? So it's it's by the dozens in a week's time. And so that that in itself is super exciting for me because I know between what I did this year and what I've reflected on with my practices this year and where I'm going to be at in the fall is going to be a whole new game. Mm-hmm. And we just did an app smackdown in my class. Um, I was talking with uh, George Curis the one day because he had done this like app smackdown like within the adult realm. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, my students have to do this. And he was like, you have to make it happen. And my kiddos were like back and forth with this because they were really, they get comfortable. It's like you said, they get real comfortable in one area. And so then one day I would say to them, you know what? We're not using this one today. Let's try this one. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this one's fantastic. <laughs> so we ended, the, we ended the year with this app Smackdown and they blew my mind. So um, I just think like for them too, it kind of goes back to each thing we keep bringing back in it's modeling it Mm -hmm. so you know modeling that risk-taking modeling the fact that i try apps that i fail with i don't even have a clue how to do all these apps it's no wonder it's so intimidating to teachers in the field that have been uh, you know (laughs) that that are a little bit you know, in that same realm with me of, it it doesn't matter if you're five years in or 22 years in, to be quite honest, because it's changing so much. But um, the fear of the unknown and not being able to take that risk is crazy. But the energy behind it is like, if you allow it in, it, it blows things up in the most magical way. We had Innovation Day at my middle school yesterday, Kristen, and I sort of led off my workshop by saying, hey, guys, I'm not 100% sure this is going to work, but here we go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I think uh, That's the story of my life. <laughs> if you're okay with that as a teacher, learning really does get fun. I love that you started your workshop that way because honestly, um, I think sometimes it's a, it can be easy for us to do in front of kids. But when we can get very real with the adults around us and, you know, it's kind of like setting that ego aside for one second that I don't need to know everything I'm talking about. Like, you know, if this all goes as planned, this is going to be fabulous. But by all means, if somebody else wants to jump in and be my lifeline when things go <laughs> off to the side by, you know, please do. Yeah. Kristen, how are you looking to grow professionally and improve your practice next year? Can you share a specific professional goal or maybe a project that you're currently focused on? Uh, Yes, yes. I actually have a few different things happening right now. Um, When I think about next year, I feel like it does start for me right now. I'm just having conversation with you and being able to reflect on what's going on right now in education and where my year has been and all the, you know, everybody else that's, you know, trying to up this game in education. I think that I think my A game, so to speak, is always in question um, because it truly does rely completely on where I'm at in that place, that time. I, when something very like specific I'm doing right now is reflecting on a whole year, as I said, uh, what went wrong, what's going on, you know, what what can I do to be better? But I feel like sometimes I get so caught up in right now that 
I don't know if I'm at my best because I might be isolating myself in like just like a big project. Um, so I need to always process and I always need to create some new goals for myself. Uh, I'm always in touch with my PLN. Uh, I mentioned before, whether it's on Voxer or, you know, just reaching out. I mean, we're to a point now where globally we have each other's phone numbers. So um, that definitely does create bigger goals for me because they'll drop in and say, hey, I'm trying this today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like a fear of missing out is happening. I need to make that happen for myself. So all of a sudden I have a new goal. Um, you know, I, I love reading. I didn't always like it as a child, but it really was because I was told what to read instead of what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do love books. I, I have in probably the last two years have read, I don't know, at least 50, which is Mm. really for me, huge in the big balance of things of life and being a mother and a wife and teacher and all the other things that, you know, I do. So I love to blog. Um, but I've been absent from that in the last month and I'm, I have no regrets. I mean, there are some people who go out and they blog every day or they blog every week. But for me, I had everything from my state assessments to time with my students, um, time with my own children that needed to wrap the year up on the, um, you know, the best note possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Time is such a value to me that I really knew that I can come back to my blogging and that can be a goal for the summer to get back into it, you know, that much more. Um, I am working on a book right now that will be coming out (laughs) I know it's so funny because like the minute you think you're working on a book, all of a sudden, like, Oh my gosh, everybody's writing books. It's really the most magical thing ever to be sharing so many ideas and voices. Um, for me, um, it's coming. It, we don't have a set date yet. It's through EduMatch and it will be coming out, uh, later on this uh, year, but I'm co-authoring it with my assistant superintendent, uh, Dr. JC Maslick. She and I uh, crossed paths a few years ago when she decided to stop by my room and ask me what I wanted different in education. And um, honestly, it really just started from there. And the title of our book, All In, Taking a Gamble in Education, uh, reflects where I was at in my practice, pretty much ready to leave it, um, and where she was coming in and really being a game changer for me. Well, we look forward to that one. I love the title, and I'm sure it's going to be packed with a lot of the spirit that we've been hearing in this conversation. Kristen, outside of education, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions when you leave the classroom? What brings you alive as a human being? Okay, so I I can only imagine how educators answer this. I don't know if I'm just like just assuming things, but I feel like I should be giving you some major educational answer, even though it's supposed to be outside of education. I feel like educators as a whole go right back into education, even on their off time. But for me, um, I am just big on people. I'm big on music. I am very big on laughter. I love, um, I like taking moments to disconnect myself so that I can reconnect with those passions and just sit back and let that sun hit my face, taking in great friends. Um, I just, I think that that time frame of my life where whether it's a little bit after school or I play music all day in school, so I really don't leave my passions like outside of the classroom. 
but I do love those conversations. I am very big on that human spirit. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things that I, I like to go camping and kayaking. Uh, I do love like taking time to take photos. I mean, not that I'm a photographer by any means, but I, there are these little tiny pieces of me that make up the big puzzle of Kristen Nan. Uh, but I really don't thrive in any of those without, uh, people. And I think just, it fills my soul, my heart when I have beautiful people around me. So I do feel very blessed that that, that happens for me most often. Kristen, I, I'm guessing you're an extrovert. <laughs> you know, I know, right? Like everybody listening will be like, ah, uh, yeah. So I think that people definitely know that about me. It's kind of crazy that I do have some introvert moments in my life where I do retreat and I do like my own space. I'm very comfortable in my own space, uh, but I guess extrovert would definitely be the way to describe me. (laughs) (laughs) Share about a personal habit or a productivity hack, Kristen, that contributes to your success. How do you get it all done? And maybe you would say you don't get it all done, but you did talk about balance and those competing priorities. So what's a personal habit that you rely on? Uh, I, you know, I'm, it is definitely a habit, but I think it's just been truly a blessing. I, I have come from a place in my life where my cup is half full and I, I don't know what made me that way. I can't say that it was life experiences that made me that way because I had some rough ones and I would think that I might be a little bit more cynical if I thought back on that, but I am, that cup is half full and I do see the good. I, I recognize that even with others and moments that others might have that are then less than that, you know, shy of being wonderful really is their own story. There's something going on for them. And I think because I can recognize that others reactions are really not for me to personalize, I can have grace on them. Um, in turn, I I can have grace on myself. Uh, so I do, I'm a forgiver. Uh, that comes with this, a little bit of a price tag. I My heart forgives very easily. And um, I love that. I love that. I hope that never changes. I It's a gift. Um, I think that for me, that is like that life hack of, If I didn't, where would I be? There's so much to forgive, even in myself. So Hmm. that um, is big. I believe that, you know, all things, you know, rolled into one creates this just magnificent amount of joy. And my outlook on life, I think, just is why I find joy in everyday teaching and the people around me. And and when I have naysayers um, that don't believe in maybe where I'm at in education, I feel that it does ruffle my feathers at times, but I can come back the next day and I can smile and I can love on them and try to be the change they may need in in their space. So good for the heart, Kristen. I could listen to you all day. Love Ah. it. All right, Kristen, it is time now for your quick picks, the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So let's start at Twitter. Tell us about someone there that we should follow and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Okay, there's just so many, but if I'm going to bring out one, I'm going to say Bethany Hill. She's a principal in Cabot, Arkansas. Uh, She is a true joy to have in your world. 
I'm so blessed to have her in mind. She's the founder of Joyful Leaders, and she just has this beautiful grace and presence about her that it brings this the beauty out in others, whether it's a post, whether she's in a Voxer group, whatever, if she's on a panel, you'll just sense that about her. She's beautiful. Point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using in your classroom or your professional practice. Okay, so over the last few years, I've taken major risks with coding. So I'm definitely that coding girl around others. <laughs> uh, so my heart, uh, it goes out to things like Ozobot and Scratch and Sphero. Uh, but most recently, I have been using Sphero Spectrums in my class. And we did this travel PBL. And so my students were creating music from different places across the globe uh, with the Spectrums, and they absolutely loved them. Recommend a book. One that you've been reading lately or one of your all-time faves and tell us why you recommend it. And you did mention, Kristen, that you read a lot of them. Yes, I, I could name so many, but let me just start with the summer approaching. I think this is the perfect time for everyone to be reflecting. And Rochelle Post's recent release, it's called In Other Words, Quotes That Push Our Thinking. It is spot on for this time of year and any time of year, but I think this is just a beautiful time to pick it up. Each quote finds its way into your heart. It goes right into your mind and you actually just come out on the other side thinking about things in a whole new perspective. Kristen, are you a podcast listener? If you are, recommend a podcast that you've got in your deck and tell us why you love it. All right, I am. So my go-to podcast is the Teach Better Team, uh, Teach Better Podcast with Jeff and Ray. Um, I have to say my most recent, though, I've dipped into Dr. Sam Fessage's podcast because she spotlights pre-service teachers, and I have a very special place in my heart for going down to where we need to make that change in education. And she's trying to do that not only with this podcast, but more, but she's really amplifying their experiences through it. I have to say that all three that you mentioned are former guests on Teachers on Fire, and I, I really like those three people. Also, they are just fantastic human beings, so they are on my deck as well. Tell about a YouTube channel that you enjoy, Kristen, and explain why. Okay, so there, there really are a ton, but if I'm going to tell you most recently, um, being that I'm going to ISTE, which is my first time ever, I have been on their YouTube channel nonstop because there's just so much to offer. <laughs> and I just feel like I can't wait to get there and see all the surprises. I don't need to know everything about it, the ins and outs, but like, it really is interesting to be able to go on and feel like you're a part of that world and just get, just get a little insight into what I'm uh, heading into in the next uh, month. Kristen, what are the best ways for people to follow you and connect with this energy that you bring? Ah, thanks. You know what? I would love to connect. I try to make it as simple as possible. If you go to my website, it's just kristennan.com, nice and simple for you. And pretty much everything else, my Twitter handle, Instagram, they are my last name, Nan, with K-R, and then 1120. It's just a special number for me because it's actually my anniversary, which will be 20 years coming up this year. So uh, it's it's one of those things I just try to keep simple. Find Kristen Nan. If you Google me, I, I'm hoping that the first 10 things that pop up are goodness about my my world well congratulations on 20 years and congratulations on just bringing it in education i really love that energy and i've appreciated you for a long time in my pln on twitter Kristen. so 
Thank you for sharing your time with the podcast today. This has been inspiring and we look forward to that book. Take care and have a wonderful summer. Thank you so much. Take care and thanks again for having me on. Thanks for joining me today here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. For show notes and links from this episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Medium. And again, please do subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Just before we sign off today, I'd like to invite you to leave any questions, suggestions, or feedback in response to anything you hear on the Teachers on Fire podcast in the form of a voice message. Just find Teachers on Fire in the Anchor app on your mobile device. The rest is easy, and it's a great way to make podcasting a little more two-directional. I'll be thrilled to feature your message, and we'll try to include it in an upcoming episode. Next, I'd like to thank all those who encourage and support the podcast on Twitter. At Bettina underscore Melton recently tweeted, Doing yard work while binge listening to Teachers on Fire, and wow, how am I just discovering this now? So much inspiration and ideas for things I want to look into. Hashtag inspired. And Adam at Reynard underscore teach tweeted, Thank you, Teachers on Fire, for the term imposter syndrome. I had never heard that expression before today, and it makes so much sense. It is something that I struggle with all the time. Thank you. Thank you so much for the encouragement, Bettina and Adam. It is so incredibly motivating to see positive feedback on Twitter from the show. You are the fuel to my fire. Educators, I also want you to check out the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium. This week, we featured The Case for School Librarians by Caitlin Giordano. Caitlin writes, School librarians play a pivotal role in our buildings and in the education of the students they serve. They partner with teachers, administrators, and students themselves to provide access to technology, literature, and credible information. Their influence on our lives cannot be diminished. They are and should always be a fixture in our schools. The magazine also featured a piece called I is for Imagine by Lynn Thomas. Lynn talks about how it's time to take another hard look at the schools without classrooms, classes without teachers, and girls without a chance. It's time to make improvements to education systems around the world. The Teachers on Fire magazine is a Medium publication, and you'll find it on medium.com or on the Medium app. If you're already an education blogger, consider joining our growing writing team. You can continue to publish content on your own blog, and you keep full credit and ownership of your content. Message Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for details. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the content you heard today ignited your thinking and inspired your practice, and I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast.